right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show is a fun one. It's a ridiculous one, guys. We are talking about Renfield with Nicolas Cage as Count Dracula, finally, after all these years that he's wanted to play this role. Uh, But was this the version of Dracula that we all expected of him? I I don't know, but it is fun and ridiculous, and we had a great time talking about it. Joining me, we got two guest co-hosts today. Tara Giancaspro and Matt O'Connell. We have a great conversation, lots of really good puzzle pieces. We're getting some uh, pretty deep tangents along the way, but uh, we'll, we'll see what we get into as we get into the conversation. Before we get to it, I do want to remind you, as always, make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, all the regular places. Make sure you're subscribed. And also, if you're enjoying the show, drop a five-star rating. That would be awesome. You could also follow me on social media at PiecingPod and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. Also, uh, I got to tell you that uh, even though there was probably a pre-roll ad at the beginning, I got to tell you anyway, uh, we've got a live show coming up this week, guys. We are doing The Blackening over at Maya Cinemas. It's Thursday, June 15th here in Las Vegas, 7 p.m. We'll be showing The Blackening and then doing a live podcast right there in the theater with Miss Michelle, Mikey VIP, and Marlon Money Stevens. It's going to be a great show. Really looking forward to this movie. It's going to be really fun, I hope. And uh, we'll have a great time talking about it. So I hope to see some of you out there. Um, I think. The contest may have closed already, but check the website. There may be still a chance to win tickets. If not, tickets are available for sale, and I hope to see you there. And we've got more live shows on the way, so uh, check the show notes, info about all that stuff and more. So with that said, let's talk about Renfield. All right, we're going to talk about Renfield today, which is just such a ridiculous movie. I think we're going to have a good time talking about this one. And I've got two great guests with me today, Tara Giancaspro and Matt O'Connell. Guys, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for oh. having us. Indeed. Yeah, I, I know we've been talking about doing this one for a while now. And I, this is one of those movies where like as soon as like the trailer was out and everything, I mean, who doesn't love Nick Cage? But like it really could have gone either way, like really bad or really, really fun. And I don't know. I don't know about you guys. I'm not sure where you land on it, but I'm like right in the middle, basically. It's it's kind of bad, but really fun. I think we had a I think we had a better experience with it when I saw the photos, the initial photos of Nick Cage walking around set looking like a fucking ghoul. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, no, no. This is going to be a top movie of the year. I decided that and I, yeah. I willed it into action. And then when I learned that my good bitch Nicholas Holtz was in it, I was like, well, I'm loving this movie no matter what. I may have to fight someone who says it's bad but not enjoyable. See, I'm uh-huh. guessing that you're like, it was fun. It wasn't the greatest thing ever, but it was like fun. Yeah. I I love Nick Holt. Uh-huh. Um, to death. Like everyone at home, please watch The Great, mm. uh, starring Elle Fanning and Nicholas Holt. He is he's he's magnificent in it. The man should only be doing comedy. Oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah, I decided I was gonna love it. And and I did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I had a lot of fun with it. And uh, yeah. I, I, I should say, like, I got to see it at a press screening. And, you know, sometimes the uh, 
the uh, the audiences at those things because you know they fill in all the rest of the seats with just like movie fans that are there for a free movie and so sometimes they're a little extra rowdy but everyone was going batshit during this movie and we're recording this after opening weekend what other kind of shit would you be yeah exactly for this kind of movie <laughs> but uh we're recording this after opening weekend and Unfortunately, it's not doing so well uh, at the box office, but I was so sure this was going to be a huge hit after seeing it with that crowd because they were just going nuts and having so much fun. And maybe this is going to have legs and we'll see, like maybe word of mouth will be good on it because people were having such a blast. Does it have legs or does it have fangs? Fangs and wings. and uh, Ah. Vampires do have legs. They they also have fangs. Yes. Mm. Fangs always, legs usually with mm. vampires. Often, but it, I feel like that's that's more ableist, possibly. You know, maybe <laughs> maybe they don't. So they they all are supposed to have fangs. Mm-hmm. Um, they can yeah, grow both the legs and the fangs back once they lose said like fangs. Vamp- or depending on mm. the lore. Sure. If a vampire sure. did not have fangs, would that vampire not be? It would be like a, a zombie. He would well, need, zombies. He would need to have like long nails to to like impale someone's skin and you know how I feel about long nails. No, I don't like that. Um, I you know before we get into puzzle pieces yeah. on Renfield, uh, it is both of you guys first time on the show and I always have my guests introduce themselves to my listeners. So let's go with you first, Tara, tell people about you and your music and what you do. Sure. Um, I'm Tara. I'm from New Jersey. If you couldn't tell by my voice and my, you know, loud theatrical presence, um, I live far too close to Broadway, um, and yet not far, far enough to justify, I guess, being this annoying. But uh, I am a full-time corporate stooge and a part-time musician and writer. Uh, my band name is Sweaty Lamar, which of course is a spin on Hetty Lamar for mm. you cinephiles out there. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm really just beyond being a musician or an artist myself, I am just someone who loves pop culture. My entire social media platform is just dedicated to screaming about movies and shows that I love or hate or can't figure out if I love or hate, you know, as you know, it's when you become an adult, you realize that you don't just like and and hate things. You're like, oh, I, I don't know. And yeah. I'm going to accept that. Yeah. Um, I need to go on a podcast and talk about them because yeah, I need to figure this out. Three hours of, you know, putting the pieces together of, of whether That's I liked right. it or not. Yeah. Um, let's see. I, I feel like I should give you some favorite movies just in general. Um, sure. My favorite movie is Sleeping with Other People, the great Leslie Headland production. I am a Back to the Future fan. My whole apartment, like our whole kitchen is all Back to the Future stuff. Um, Philadelphia Story. I think the greatest movie ever made is Network. Okay. I just sure. saw Patty Chayefsky's um, portrait in Sardis in New York, and I I geeked out. And my friend was like, I don't know this man. I was like, "That that's Patty Chayefsky, though. And she's like, yeah, but I, I don't know him. <laughs> like the very Kiki Palmer, like, sorry to this man. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and. But then again, I also lost my mind at the Dylan Baker caricature in Sardis. So that's <laughs> that's what I'm into. Like nice. niche character actor, niche scribe of yeah. 70s, you know, would, gritty would, dramas. Okay. Would you like to do? So, all right. So we have this thing where Matt, Matt is a, a world famous impressionist and he does impressions of me because uh, I ask him to. It's not because sure. he, he does it. It's because I'm like, I want the impression. Go. Yeah. And Matt does my little Tara voice. 
Um, but then one of the other things he does is ruthlessly, as if he doesn't do it himself, <laughs> make fun of my uh, my penchant for loving niche character actors. Okay. Meanwhile, I have to tell you that I we were watching. Were we watching Robin Hood? Or he was talking about 40s movies in your sort of MGM, Robin Hood, Olivia de Havilland, Errol Flynn era. And he's like, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, Eugene Paulette. And I'm like, my brother in Christ, who the fuck is Eugene Paulette? And he's like, you don't know Eugene Paulette. And I'm like, no, who knows Eugene Paulette? Eugene Paulette's mother doesn't know Eugene no, Paulette. Yeah. She's fucking dead. Nobody knows Eugene Paulette. So as if he has any room to talk about me getting really excited if like Renee Auberginois shows up on an episode of Columbo. Like mm -hmm. I'm allowed to have my things, but this man has taken it way too far. <laughs> so do you want to do the Dylan Baker impression? This is this is an impression of me, apparently. Okay. This is this is Tara watching a a, a premium cable drama when a particular character actor shows up on screen unexpectedly is that dylan baker yes bitch i do do the snaps That's true. you have to do the snaps i mean what else you know come on did i didn't i just get geeked out about someone like i feel like i got geeked out about someone like a day ago but, it, Probably. you know, it's like it it's someone random like Michaela Watkins. It's never like, <laughs> oh, like, great, like Bruce Willis is in this. I'd no. be excited about that. I it's, mean, why not? Yeah. Uh, Trophy Wife should not have been canceled. And that should be <laughs> stated for the record. Like Bradley Whitford's been busy, but mm -hmm. bring Trophy yeah. Wife back at the same time. Thank you. Sure. Both of us have a sort of deep and abiding love for for character actors. For me, it's M. Emmett Walsh. Oh, oh every sure. time. Yeah. <laughs> Deep I have total face blindness. <laughs> I have complete face blindness to this man. Again, to quote Kiki Palmer, which is a phrase we say in this house constantly. You know, he could be walking down the street, and I just I, I wouldn't know a thing. Sorry just, to this man, but just, I can never look at M. Emmett Walsh and be like, "Oh, that's him." Yeah. I have to ask Matt every time, "Is that him?" And the, that's like, yes. The catalog of great character roles of M. Emmett Walsh. He's the one in the jerk who. Who hates the cans? Yes, he hates these cans. And yet, stay I away from the cans. And yet, I can't picture his face. Uh, it's also, it's it's a memorable face, though. I mean, he's also the doctor in Fletch. He's the diving coach in Back to School. Mm -hmm. Wait, he's the security guard in Knives Out. Wait, the the old Fletch. Yes. Yes. Did you watch the old Fletch? No, I just know of it through my interest in. Oh, I was gonna fight this man live on your podcast <laughs> if, if he watched the old Fletch without me because we're we, also the only two people who liked. We are. <laughs> no, oh, no, I, I, I love Confess Fletch. We yeah. are the fucking Fletch heads of the mm -hmm. century. I talk to. I keep calling him Tommy Matola. I talked to Craig Matola on Twitter about this, and I was like are we doing the sequel? And he was like, listen, I am working on it. And I was like, I'm trying okay. to get John Hamm to spend 20,000 more of his own dollars right. to make the sequel. Happen. Yeah. Um, but what I wanted and what he responded favorably to was, can we do a knives out Fletch crossover? Because, mm. you know, Ryan Johnson would throw him a bone and do this. Oh yeah. He'd be all in hundred percent. Oh No, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. So we Matt and I are the two people who are lined the fuck up first in line to see Fletch to I read more knives, more out. I read That's every right. Fletch novel after seeing Confess Fletch. And oh, wow. the and the spin-offs. And, and yes. 
And the Flynn's, yes. All 15 books. <laughs> That's way deeper yeah. than I would have gotten, but I, I did love oh, that I, movie. I am neck deep in Fletch. <laughs> wow. Well, before we get back on track to Renfield, Matt, uh, you got to introduce yourself a little bit, too. Yes. Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. I, I'm Matt, a.k.a. the Big Beef Buff Boy RD. No. Uh, yeah. Listen, we're in the <laughs> podcast world. I don't once the, once the mic is turned on, you got to say it. So, so uh, I am I am one of the hosts of the pro wrestling podcast. Tag me in, brother. Formerly known as I Hate Wrestling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in which I would try to convince people that they actually liked wrestling. Oh. Um, and more often than not, I was successful, or at least I was successful in convincing people uh, that pro wrestling is such a wide and varied thing thing and genre unto itself that somewhere at some point someone has done something that you would like yeah of course it's like it's like saying i don't like music right it's such a thing of its own and and people have such a conception of it as this one thing and it is many things yeah actually no absolutely yeah yeah he's Big wrestling guy, mm-hmm. big, uh, big universal mm-hmm. monsters guy, which is why I, uh, I wanted Matt to join us for this. Godzilla yeah. guy, big time Godzilla guy, big time Ray Harryhausen stop motion. Oh, for guy. sure. My Absolutely. my interests are are wide and extremely deep and very particular and very obscure and very pretty obscure. Uh, yeah, this man is you know what would commonly be known as a as a Falk face. Big mm. fan of mm. Peter Falk. Sure, Falk face. <laughs> I just came up with it. Let's let it roll. Are you trying to say my eyes? Probably, probably the biggest fan club in the world. I mean, who? Like a Falk face. I get but it. I'm coming up with a name mm-hmm. for him. Not mm-hmm. everyone can just be like Rihanna's navy. Sometimes you gotta just test a fan. Rihanna's name. Navy. Rihanna's fans are. Do we have a name for Nicholas Holt fans? It's fucking Holt Hive. I was it gonna say to Holt Hive. Oh, okay, yeah, it has okay, to that be. works. Like right. Matt and I are. Oh, oh, oh! Nick Arcade. <laughs> I, want, I want you to leave. Uh, I have made a grave. She grave just, she just kicked you off the pod. Inviting, I watched it. Inviting this Nick sweet Arcade. man. I think Nick Arcade is good. No, I don't like it. What I like about Nick Arcade is that it's a reference to the to the Nickelodeon kids game show Nick Arcade. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love that for your old ass. Um, what I was <laughs> Nick going to Arcade say was on the air when you were watching I Nickelodeon. Know. Don't cast aspersions. Ancient. I was born in '91. It is what it is. Um, what I was going to say is, Holt Hive is great because not only am I a proud member of the Holt Hive, but I am mm. a proud member of the Hong Hive. Mm. And you're like, no, Hong who? Hold on. Excuse me. No, no, no. Excuse me. Because this man loves James Hong. Yes. Mm. I will routinely find a movie that James Hong is in, put it on, not tell him anything. I'm just like, oh, like I want to watch this movie tonight. And then James Hong shows up, and he's like, is that my man, Jimmy Hong? And but I'm like, yes, it is. I will often have a, uh, I will often have a premonition that James Hong is in a movie. He's correctly guessed a couple times. I'll be like, someone you love is in this movie. And I'm like, is it James Hong? You know, it's like that video of Kristen Bell when she realizes that there's the a sloth, sloth is nearby. Be yes. at her birthday party, and she's like, sloth is near. The sloth is here. That's Matt with James Hong. It's a, sp- it's a spidey sense. I, I, did, I did music for a uh, movie with James Hong in it. Better, it's called Better Criminal. It's like a direct-to-video. Uh, oh my god, we gotta movie. find it. Who else is in it? Is uh, there other that Matt likely, and I will yeah. both love? Tom Sizemore's in it. Uh, oh, Ling, you know. Great. Yeah. Wow. So, this was was this like a tax evasion thing? <laughs> <laughs> Are most direct-to-video movies? 
Well, I, yeah, I but, found that a, mm-hmm. a lot of times when James Hong is in a movie, yes. the rest of the cast and crew will show up to find James Hong already on set. And they just can't like, get him to leave. Just and the, standing there? And yeah, and that's how they he find loves out. working in the movie. Like, yeah. like you mannequins, cannot, yeah, you star can't, of movie mannequins. You can't get it. If he's decided he's going to be in the movie, you can't. You yeah. can't convince him otherwise. Would you ask him to leave the set? I certainly oh, no. would. No. Not so at all. Matt, Matt is James Hong Hive. Mm-hmm. I am Hong Chow Hive. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, thought were, I thought you were trying to you were trying to steal my No, I, I respect the great character actor James Hong. I was very excited when he showed up in everything everywhere all at once. Mm-hmm. I loved his little bow tie with the googly eyes at the Oscars. So yeah, we are we are enthusiasts of these random people. I am most internet famous for designing a hat that it's just a, a cap and mm-hmm. it says Carrie Coon deserved an Emmy for the leftovers. Nice. Carrie Coon has seen the hat. I selected, I swear to God, I, I messaged her and I was like, have you seen the hat? She's like, mm. I did. What the hell is this about? And I was like, here, you pick a charity and I will donate all the proceeds because I feel like I'm making money off your name. I don't feel like that's fair. And so she picked a, uh, a literacy initiative in Chicago mm-hmm. to donate to. But every so often I open, you know, Twitter to find like 67 retweets and it's because some, you know, some fellow Twitter gay or like some 13 year old girl in Missouri was like, Oh my God, I love Carrie Coon and the hat just gets bought and then perpetuated. Uh, so, so that's us. And that's probably our, the chief thing we have in common. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Not Carrie Coon specifically. I have no strong feelings about Carrie Coon, which is a problem. And we've gone to counseling about it. It's fine. (laughs) It happens. Everybody's got their things. Uh, you want to get to some puzzle pieces on Renfield? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So well, you're going to choose ones that we have chosen because I mean, did not you never know. Too. I have I have like six or seven Certainly. things written down and, you know, just in case, because we're just going to do three each. And then, uh, yeah. you know, this way we keep things a little bit rounded up here. But uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But let's start with you, Tara. What's your first puzzle piece here for Renfield? My first puzzle piece is going to be a a hot take. I think mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the hot take first. Okay. Um. And it's a it's it's a tie, and you're probably going to be mad at me because it's a tie. But I these t- mm. two movies are so close together in my heart. Mm. Uh, nine to five, okay, and First Wives Club, okay. I, I got to hear about this because I just rewatched Nine to Five last year uh, for the first time in like a hundred years, and like uh, I, I want to hear how you feel these connect. So nine to five is sincerely important to me. I only watched it for the first time, I think last year. Mm-hmm. And I'm an executive assistant by trade. That's mm-hmm. my job. And uh, as you can imagine, I've had everything from people, you know, almost throwing coffee mugs at me to the the upskirt bullshit of corporate mm-hmm. America. And watching that movie actually really felt good because I I only had the sense of like they kill this man like my thought was they kill this man that's what i had thought the premise was but then you see that they're actually enacting change in this office environment and it's it's incredible um jane fonda the baddie of my heart and life i I worship her uh of course had a movie with a you know staunchly political message um but stop the presses (laughs) (laughs) something about this movie as i what do you think the statement she was trying to make Oh, in in 80 for brady what do you think what do you think you know was at the heart of that i really feel like it's she, about landmines i feel like she was trying to put <laughs> i can't with you i feel like she was just trying to put in that one 
the message out there that, you know, college is expensive and mm. my third grandchild is going to college and I'm being expected <laughs> to pay it for it. That's yeah. the message. Okay. Uh, I have not seen 80 for Brady because I, I am a Steelers girl. And mm. so I, I really am not going to sit there and dedicate that time to to the Patriots. Sorry. Mm. Sorry, sure. to Patriots fans out there. But, you know, you guys have no shame and <laughs> no ability to feel remorse. So it's fine. Um, but yeah, as I was watching this and what I did not expect was that it was going to be so much about empowerment and setting boundaries and sure. actually healing from narcissistic abuse and yes. toxic, you know, symbiotic relationships. And I loved that because that is something I focus on a lot in my work. I, uh, have 200 pages written uh, of a novel about this. This is like my life's message that I try to express through the art that I make, you know, yeah. navigating negative relationships and how you can find yourself and find your way out. So that was my favorite part about this movie yeah. that they're literally showing these books, books that I've checked out from the library. Like, Oh yeah, I, I'm familiar with that one. I mm. know that trope. Uh, so I, as I was sitting and trying to think of my choices, I thought, you know, I could just go supernatural and like, whatever that's, yeah, you know, it, we're going to, we all have picks that are supernatural, sure. but I wanted to find something that fit with the concept of, you know, the true meaning behind this movie. Yeah. And very often people call narcissists vampires or, mm -hmm. you know, on what we do in the shadows, you know, you have sure. energy vampires. So yeah. I wanted to focus on films like this. I would say First Wives Club almost feels like the, you know, the better pick of those two. I just really couldn't decide. Mm. Um, but yeah, navigating these negative relationships with humor not making it, oh, I'm an abused housewife with the black eye and the pregnant belly and my husband is coming home with a six pack. You know, I really love seeing explorations of abusive or toxic relationships um, when they're done to showcase how insidious these relationships can be. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And this movie did that. Yes, the relationship between these two is funny. It's used for humor. They have banter back and forth. In a way, they have a weird chemistry and a long shared history that mm. you you know you don't see highlighted as often. And uh, Nicholas Holt's character was given this backstory of having you know abandoned his. Fa I wouldn't necessarily say that he was just like, "Yep, I'm leaving." He was you know kind of glamoured into sure into sure. becoming this you know, servant, but he has this backstory, which is something he uses to reinforce uh, shame in himself, to reinforce regret and to reinforce a sense that he's not a good person, Right. which then allows him to be kept in a prison of abuse by another it's person. It's a cycle that is like so yeah. easy to exploit. And, you know, I, I didn't put this on my list of puzzle pieces because I figured it would just come up in the conversation anyway. But talking about Nicolas Cage's own work with Vampire's Kiss uh, also being a great exploration of that. That's also very funny and also just as insidious and also, he's a vampire, so uh, yeah. you know, so uh, you include. I, that I thought too. it was. I think you too. It was like, you know, like, is it going to be too on the nose? Like, you know, I wanted to impress you. Thank um, you. Thank you. But yeah, so I, you know, I did not realize that this was going to be such an aspect of this film, and mm -hmm. really, what it's about. I didn't realize it was going to be almost moralistic, not in a bad way, but in that it 
it played like something that had a moral that we're all supposed to kind of sit and watch and come away with and, and think yeah. about maybe pick up a new buzzword or two. Right. Well, it's a perfect time for a movie like this to come around yeah. as, as weird and out there as it is like, you know, it is very much a part of the conversation right now. And so uh, it's, it's kind of just perfect timing for that. But yeah. uh, Matt, what do you have for your first piece? Well, I will say this. I was not afraid to go two on the nose. Mm -hmm. So my first pick is the 1931 Dracula. Perfect. Which I mean, it's such it an, has to be included. It's such an yeah. obvious pick, but it's also, as far as I'm concerned, it's the primary text for pretty much all 20th century vampire fiction. Yeah, there's stuff that precedes it. There's there's Nosferatu. There's like a Hungarian movie called Dracula's Death. Mm. <laughs> which is like not even really about Dracula. It's a whole other thing. But the 1931 Dracula is such the origin of all of the tropes that we understand culturally as Dracula, as the shorthand for Dracula. And not only does this movie depend on its audience knowing those tropes and in fact having internalized those tropes. Sure. Uh, you know, so intensely that we don't even need to go over them but it also takes the pains to do direct references to specific shots from the original dracula they 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 went through the uh you know to the extent of recreating the set of the original castle dracula yeah or i think they might have uh they definitely imposed him in footage they may have also done from that. the move right like the theater scene it looked like he had been imposed in existing yeah i think it's like a mix of the two uh approaches yeah, to try to like create something that just works really well but i think yeah they're yeah. doing a little of both in there and they yeah. did the they did the lighting of yes the, the, eyes. the, the, the iconic mm -hmm. pencil lights on the eyes but we have the, the whole costuming of nicholas holt in you know until he has his uh sort of break with you know the role that he's been in he enters and, his hot girl era starts yeah. wearing less and so, going out more so sure, in his sure. uh you know previous to his hot girl summer um <laughs> he's wearing the wardrobe of dwight fry in the original the original drag it's like the the hair the you know the must hair the the old-timey suit it's yeah. it's like one-to-one -one. and nick cage is in the bela lugosi uh, Dracula suit down to the amulet down to down to everything and they're recreating uh, all those aspects of it and then there's more subtle stuff like at the end you know after the credits roll they show Renfield in the font from the original Dracula poster sure yeah and uh, the 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 deepest cut that I thought was there's a little part where toward the beginning of the movie Renfield chuckles to himself and it's like a ha 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 and it's the same exact cadence as the this shot of Dwight Fry in the original one, where he's the only survivor of the shipwreck that brings Dracula to England, mm -hmm. and he's sort of at the at the foot of these stairs, and they open up the hatch, and he's just wide eyed. He's like, <laughs> and he does that laugh a number of times throughout the movie. Oh. Yeah, and uh, to my chagrin, a lot of that. <laughs> The manic ver aspects of that character, this movie kind of immediately, it takes so much from the original Dracula, but one thing it doesn't is really its portrayal of Renfield, because they take such a softer approach to Renfield, who, as far as I know, was not really a major character mm -hmm. in the Dracula mythos until Dracula 31. 
Mm. And he becomes probably the highlight of that movie, he and Lugosi, of course. But uh, certainly the most dynamic and one of the most memorable uh, sort of second bananas sure. in, in horror fiction. Yeah. And to see, to see them sort of harken back to all of that, mm -hmm. but then have Nicholas Holt play it so sort of demure and understated. Right. Is, yeah. uh, is, is interesting. Yeah, it is. And I think like for anyone who didn't like this movie, you can't say the attention to detail isn't there. Like you were saying Absolutely. with all of those callbacks and like it is, you know, the, the director, Chris McKay has said like, this is essentially a sequel to Dracula. Like it's like a straight up sequel. And like, as ridiculous as that sounds, like it kind of is in a way, it's just, if mm -hmm. it went in a very ridiculous, silly direction, but, um, I'm going to, yeah, exactly. I'm going to jump right on top of your Dracula and go with, you're just talking about the portrayal of Renfield. I'm going to go with my favorite Renfield uh, for my first puzzle piece. And that is Mel Brooks, Dracula Dead and Loving It. And Peter McGuffin. <laughs> I got you. Stole <laughs> <Yeah>. mine. <laughs> he is the best. He's so funny. And so like, he starts at that level of manic and like yeah. goes up from there and, you know, and uh, is just so hilarious. And yeah, they, they, you know, they obviously are trying to make Renfield into a hero here. Like that's kind of the whole story. And yeah. so he kind of has to be grounded a little bit. And so he's not uh, taking that cue from the Peter McNichol uh, portrayal of Renfield, but uh, still, you know, mixing all that Dracula mythos with very, very silly slapsticky humor. And, uh, you know, the kind of jokes a minute that, you know, a Mel Brooks movie would have. Um, I love Dracula Dead and Loving It. I know it doesn't have the best reputation, but uh, I think it's, it's the best. It's one of my favorites. That's... Yeah, I, I, I am. I don't know what Amy Yazbeck's fans are called. Uh, <laughs> Yazbekians. I, Yazbek. Sure. I, I have, I have Ooh, Oh nice. my god. Um, I have cosplayed. Ms. Yazbek uh, from Men in Tights, like to the point where I went outside voluntarily wearing like silver spray painted chastity belt underwear. Uh, so yeah, we we love all Amy Yazbek vehicles yeah. in this home. I would nice. say we're we're also something of of webheads. Stephen <laughs> Stephen Weber fan. I think you're sure. more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our our beautiful son Lagosi, a large tuxedo cat, as you might imagine, mm. got up and walked away in disgust at webheads. Web this this man uh, said, "No, no, no, we're not doing this. I'm, I'm out. I'm out. No yeah. more." <laughs> and yes, obviously, Lagosi is named after Bela Lagosi. Sure. Absolutely. Just to just to clarify, Can I... it's not you know Frank Lugosi from Duluth, inventor of <laughs> yeah. I don't know cheese yeah. its whatever. I I th this is maybe an odd interjection, but great. But we're talking about Lugosi, who if we talk about Dracula thirty one is the primary text for for Dracula fiction. Yes. Lugosi is still the Dracula. The yep. the Count from Sesame Street is Bela Lugosi, right? It's the it's the or the or cultural Dracula. So. I was very surprised to see that Nick Cage did not go whole hog on a Bela Lugosi accent. He mm. only dropped half a hog. <laughs> yes. I was going to, I want to ask you about this when you get to your next pick. I do want to ask you about the voice and, and 
the choice of the voice. The choice of the voice? The choice of the voice. The voice choice. Yeah, I do want to ask you. You gotta have the voice choice, Jerry! I was gonna, like, I... I... (laughs) I was going to ask you to do this like in depth and break it down okay. when you had your next movie. My next, which, which has I, nothing to do with Bela Lugosi. No, I know, but I just, I just want to get it from you okay. at some point. Okay. Um, can we please talk about Dracula dead and loving it? Because this was also my choice. Yeah, as much as you want, because it's it's the best movie. It's so funny. <laughs> the the great, the wonderful Leslie Nielsen mm. absolutely crushes. A Bela Lugosi impression. Oh, yeah. In that movie. He's so good. But yeah, no, Leslie Nielsen, I mean, great great in anything and everything. Mm-hmm. I don't know, w- would you even say it's it's the best Leslie Nielsen? That's hard to say. I mean, it's hard to say. It's, you don't, I mean, anything post like uh, Fantastic Planet. No, not Fantastic Planet. No. Uh, that would be a, a wild. <laughs> Forbidden Planet is what I meant Forbidden to say. Forbidden Planet, yeah, yeah. Anything post Forbidden Planet is a great Leslie Nielsen role. Uh, Forbidden Planet is a sort of legendary sci-fi movie that is pretty much unwatchable. Um, hot take about Forbidden Planet. <laughs> You're going to get like three haters. <laughs> Send your hate mail to Matt. Come at me. Come at me. Because you can't. You can't tell me Forbidden Planet is is, is anything. It's They're not. They're in the bag for that. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's difficult. I mean, Naked Gun is, you know, it's, it's so one good. of the greatest comedies of all time airplane but leslie nielsen too much leslie nielsen has been in some movies some relative stinkers like what was that one we saw that was like a knockoff of the fugitive or a parody of the fugitive wrongfully accused yes yeah it was okay fun of course it's leslie nielsen i love top secret like give me these dumb jokes mm -hmm. and i'll i will spend a saturday night just watching these dumb jokes but but without leslie nielsen the wheels completely fall off well sure or without Val Kilmer in the top seat. You know. Yeah, but it would have been better with Val Kilmer. I mean, Leslie with Les- That's true. So did you pick Dead and Loving It just because it's funny vampires or was there another layer? It was funny and vampires and to, to shout out my favorite Renfield um, with, Peter, with McNichol. Peter McNichol because he's, really he's just so incredible. It's like it's just it's like Dwight Fry's performance turned up to 11. You're right. Exactly. And he so just he nails it. He absolutely nails it. In the same way that Leslie Nielsen is really just taking what's already a pretty affected and slightly comical performance from Lugosi and turning it up a couple notches, it becomes a masterpiece of of comedy. And the same thing happens with Peter McNichol, where he's he's taking something that, if it's not filmed in this very creepy way, could be overwrought and very funny. Mm-hmm. And they kind of do it with the lights on. And, you know, it becomes a, uh, it becomes a very broad comedy. Absolutely. Well, Tara, let's go to your next piece. Sure. Uh, so I am going to drop in my, my fourth pick because mm. you stole my second pick. So. Um, <laughs> I, you know, watching this movie, it, it definitely did not visually look like the comedies that I was thinking of. Um, but I kept thinking of while watching this movie's like Keanu, you know, the, the Key and Peele movie. I never saw that. It's, it's not memorable. It, mm. I, I literally remember going to the theater to watch it. I remember there being a cat. I remember yeah. Yeah. nothing else about this movie. I can't tell you a single other person who's in the movie. Like sure. probably Chelsea Peretti is there. You know, I, I, <laughs> I can't right. yeah. anything I bet about James it. Hong is in it. <laughs> Could be. He's the cat. <laughs> yeah. Naturally. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So I really wanted to think of one because something I wanted to bring to the table here was the the essence of a buddy movie. Mm-hmm. I had assumed that there would be more of a buddy relationship between Dracula and Renfield. And there really was not in this movie. They no. were not together a lot. Um, very smartly, I thought that Nick Cage was not used too much in this movie. It's like mm-hmm. when you watch Beetlejuice, like mm-hmm. he's really not in much of the movie. And that's for the best. You're not getting tired of the character. He comes in, you know, does a punch, walks out. Um, so I, but I wanted to find one that maybe dissected the Aquafina Nicholas Holt relationship, and then the relationship between the people in the codependent group. Which, sure. by the way, I I love hearing codependent talk in a movie, and because I can't think of other movies that use the word codependent, right. Uh, and I said this recently, it almost seems harder to come out as a codependent or to identify yourself as one than it it does to say like, oh, I, you know, I maybe do a little too much coke. Like not in a way where someone's genuinely saying like, I have an addiction, I need to go to rehab. But if they're like, yeah, I should probably ease back on the coke or like, I should ease back on the ponies. Mm. Um, it, it's because people don't understand what codependency is. Sure. And yeah. so I actually really liked that someone like there's a final climactic line of I'm a codependent. And I was like, that's that's really cool. And I appreciate that. And that is why my fourth pick that is now my second pick um, mm. is 21 Jump Street. OK, sure. The, yeah. You know, the iconic Channing Tatum. 21 Jump Street. Which... I was actually thinking about this as well, by the way, yeah. because the tone of it really, like even though this yeah. is much more in the horror and gore and splatter kind of comedy, like the re- like all the rest of the comedy, they're just like really out there, over the top, buddy, you know, shenanigans, so to speak. Uh, you know, yeah. it's like, it really feels like that kind of humor. And there's an introspection and a really nice comfortable character development path that's charted throughout the movie for kind of for everyone, not really Dracula, but, you know, Aquafina gets to bond with her sister. And we see that in 21 Jump Street where Channing Tatum's character, who assumes that he's going to be the cool guy going back to school, is actually the dork, you know, who has to find himself and does kind of embrace his nerddom. And then Jonah Hill, you know, becomes popular and these two are isolated and while these things can seem tropic and you're like, oh, okay, Channing Tatum thought he was going to be cool. Now he's not. They do it in specific ways. And the Mm -hmm. characters they brought in to reinforce these paths were really nice. Um, I liked Aquafina's character. I haven't enjoyed all of her roles. Sometimes I feel like it's a little like, oh, this this feels cartoonish. Uh, She was kind of playing this. I would say she was playing the straight woman here, you know, Holt you would think would have been but it's really her um I like her path they didn't go too maudlin with the dad or the sister it just felt realistic I liked the sisters having a relationship um you know I thought it was funny I thought that they used a cop in a way that did not feel irresponsible like they Mm -hmm. didn't show with her character excessive force they didn't you know have her betray some like it was pretty good representation for cops but then also i didn't think it was copaganda right sure you know this is a woman of color working in a police force where everyone around her is kind of colluding against her Mm -hmm. um but then interestingly enough a lot of the people colluding against her are also people of color you know it it wasn't it it felt 
real. That could be something that happens. You could just have people and they're of different you know, moralities yeah. and they're subscribing to different beliefs of what cops should and can get away with. Yeah. Um, but I appreciated that. And I thought the same thing about 21 Jump Street. Like that movie is not copaganda. No one is going to go out and be a cop because of 21 <laughs> Jump Street. Um, no one is going to say, oh, you know, hashtag not all cops because they like Jonah Hill in that movie. Like, you know, it, or they like. To, except like or, Kanye. Yeah, well, except Kanye. Not, like, yeah, we're not, <laughs> no, no, no. It wasn't copy. That was like, that was Jewaganda. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That was homin That was like Hamantashenaganda. Like that was, it was too work. much. You know what? You didn't work. How about that? Um, oh, wow. So, yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> So I I appreciated that. Uh, yeah, no one no one really signed up to take like the police force test because they saw uh, what's her name Ray Ray say like finger popping each other's assholes like you know. <laughs> so uh, which is to this day something that I I say more mm -hmm. often than you would think it would be reasonable to put in conversation. Yeah, but I very a... often do wind up having occasions to use it. That's a deep cut for sure, but uh, <laughs> it's it's not a deep cut in my life That's in my true. vernacular days. It's right under the surface. It's, yeah, it's, you're always always lurking there. I'm it's thinking about there. it all the time. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sure. So that movie, you know, to some extent, the sequel, because again, while it does have the divide of the characters, there are more nefarious forces at play in the sequel. Mm -hmm. But those those two movies, which I will watch back to back any day of the week and will consider one perfect piece of cinema. Please give yeah. us twenty three Jump Street. I'm I'm begging you, producers. Um one of these along days. with two. You know, my, my wish list is unfortunately mostly sequels. We're all like, I want original content. My wish list is is mostly like Josie and the Pussycats too. You know? Oh, well, I mean, come on. These are my yeah. sequels of choice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So yeah, that uh, would be one for me. And then before right you, uh -huh. my love, yeah, I would love to hear about the voice choice because you being a studier, not a student, a studier, <laughs> because a you because studier. because you've already graduated. Oh, you're now yeah. just studying. Okay. So you are the studier. Continuing education. Yes. Okay. So share what, share that knowledge here. What do you think Nick Cage was trying to do? Did he succeed? He was trying to not do Bela Lugosi because mm. everyone can do it. It's, it's become, I can't sure. You, can you do the count? If you can do the count, you can do Bela Lugosi. One bad impression. Ah, ah, ah. There, you, there you go. So I think he realized that it's such, it's such an iconic and legendary thing. Iconic. Yes. <laughs> that his, his instinct must have been, if I'm going to put my own spin on this, I can't do the voice. Was he putting his own spin on it, though, in any way? He, I think he was putting a spin on it by not putting a spin on it, in a way. Just sort of trying to do his own thing, kind of playing it smaller than you would expect. Because when you hear, Nicolas Cage is Dracula, right, you're like, ah, right. oh, shit, I was gotta that, see that. David, was that an issue for you that took away your appreciation for the movie or took some appreciation for you? It, it, it was, it enhanced it for me because I was on board for Nick Cage as Dracula, no matter what the uh, version of that was going to end up being. Like so I you wanted didn't to see want, 
you didn't want more Nick Cage. In he it. didn't need. He right. didn't need to yell or have like this one liner that goes in the next Nicolas Cage losing his shit compilation on YouTube. Like that yeah. didn't need to happen. Uh, I just wanted to see Nick Cage finally get to straight up be Dracula, and that's what we got. I mean, like you were saying, he kind of underplays it a little bit. Like he's still Nick Cage, but he does underplay it a little bit. It's not as crazy as you might expect, and I, I think he was great. I think it's. I think Nicolas Cage is an interesting comparison to Bela Lugosi because Nicolas Cage really is a character actor at heart mm-hmm. who's been placed in the role of a movie star sure. multiple times. But it's the Brad Pitt thing, except Nick Cage is a good person from what we've been sold. But he's got the. I love Nick Cage. It's the thing where, well, this is a guy who does a specific weird thing. That's the draw. We're going to put him doing his specific weird thing. One specific weird thing? It's like 27 specific weird things. And we love them all. We love every (laughs) one of them. It's all in the same package. It's all in the Nicolas Cage package and delivery. You know, it's like, you know what he's going to do. You know how he's going to say it, right? Yeah. It's almost like... It's the Samuel L. Jackson in Snakes on a Plane thing, right? Like, we're going to see this movie because we want Samuel L. Jackson to say the thing about the snakes on the plane. And the producers realized, ah, fuck, we have to do reshoots and get him to say the thing because we forgot to get him to say the thing. It wasn't Mm -hmm. actually in the script, right? Is that true? Yeah, that wasn't in that wasn't in the script. Holy <laughs> shit! But everyone—the only that. reason I went to see that movie—I yeah, saw it in too. theaters. And everyone yeah, else. Too. Oh my god! Um, completely unremarkable movie. Um, yeah, Juliana Margulies is in it. Um, like you're, and you're just like, okay, yeah. So, all right. um, but Nicolas Cage, Bela Lugosi is a guy who got typecast, um, and did not get to be a leading man. He, he was in Poverty Row stuff for most of his career. Sure. Yeah. Dracula 31 is his biggest role. Yeah. He did great stuff. It's anyone's biggest role. Yeah. It would have been anybody's biggest role. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. But you compare him to Boris Karloff, who obviously Frankenstein is his big role. But then he gets, you know, a, a number of career revivals and a lot of critically acclaimed performances. And Lugosi just didn't get those same chances. Remind me, which one did Luton movies? Both, but mostly Karloff. Karloff got to star in them. Lugosi got to do. I was thinking Karloff. Um, our our small beautiful cat daughter Simone is named after Simone Simone from Cat People. So we're yeah we're we're very into Luton over here. Nicholas Cage is a character actor who, um, got to be you know got to star in blockbusters that Bela Lugosi didn't necessarily get to do. But Bela Lugosi and Moonstruck. Right. But Bela Lugosi in, in in leaving Las Vegas, you know what I mean? I mean thank raising. <laughs> thank, thank you, David. Matt was yeah. like, "Nope, I'm not acknowledging I'm not, this I, shit." I, I haven't seen this, so I don't know what you're talking that's, about. That's a you problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Please continue. Um, raising Arizona from the dead. Like these are these are our our films. <laughs> yeah, I got it now. But um, they're of the same species as a Christopher Walken, right? They're sure. just like. A, a creature, we're going to capture it on film. Uh, there's a specific uh, vocal delivery. There's a specific quality to this performance that's not really going to change role to role. These are not chameleons. These are not Daniels yeah. Day-Lewis. These are, uh, <laughs> these, are, these are creatures of habit. Joe Pesci. Right. Joe Pesci is Dracula. Now, <laughs> let... <laughs> now, oh, we, we should be so lucky. As as an Italo American, mm. 
an Italian Dracula does not work. We are too much a people of garlic. We are Frank Langella, bad Dracula. We are informed by garlic. Uh, we are of garlic. Garlic is essential to us. It, yeah. it would not work. Um, but I want you all to picture Joe Pesci right now as Dracula. Tell me. Listen to them. Children of the night. <laughs> what music they make. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure if that's Joe Pesci, but I loved it though. <laughs> his Joe Pesci is good. His vampire Joe Pesci might be, but his, his usual Joe Pesci is good. It, it it gets you know walked around the house quite a bit. <laughs> well, let's go to Matt's next puzzle piece. Okay, so mine is sort of on on the same wavelength as yours. My thought was Pineapple Express, mm. um, which is also a an absurdist buddy comedy involving extensive police corruption. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but they also, I mean, there's a number of like wacky chase scenes and there are, they, they sort of, uh, they, they sort of blend, um, Looney Tunes physics with realistic consequences of violence. Sure. Because there's some stuff yeah. that's just like, like wacky cartoon physics, but then sometimes people get very seriously hurt. Uh, yeah. Danny McBride almost dies in that movie. Yeah. Oh, I forgot that. <laughs> that, that movie has not really impacted my soul. Um, mm. so I, that was, that was definitely a him choice, but yeah, that was, a, that was my thought. And I was thinking it specifically when, uh, the police are, are, you know, have, you know, we found out that the police are against them and chasing them down. And yeah, Pineapple Express, we have Rosie Perez as the corrupt police officer. Yeah. Uh, so our our sort of heroes, right. our sort of heroes have nowhere to turn. Right. Yeah. Because it turns out that both the the drug dealers and the police are sort of both out to get them. Oh yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah. That's yeah, that's true. So in this in this they have to deal with it's a tri-pronged attack, really, because you have to deal with uh you have to deal with corrupt police, you have to deal with a, uh, a organized crime. Mm -hmm. I, um, I know I said that twice. Um, police and organized crime. Um, and then uh, political, Jane Fonda. Yes, um, and then... Uh, <laughs> Try prom. Yeah. And then uh, the third prong, of course, is Dracula. Yeah. yeah <laughs> the, reason, the reason I was just spacing out there is because I was trying to think of a joke I could make. And I'm, I'm going to share this with you because it's a failure and I take great shame in it. I, I was trying to make a joke about Rico, like mm. the syndicate you know rico uh -huh. suave uh -huh. and i i couldn't do it in time there's also uh, uh rico bandello is the name of uh i don't know her character from little caesar edward g robinson i don't do mother of mercy is this the end of rico <laughs> girl i no. edward g robinson is someone i have face blindness with because like it's how could you I, it's, it's the, the most distinctive face but then the, no but then there's the other guy what other guy? I tell you this every time one of those two. What McMur McMurray? Fred McMurray. Yes, I confuse Fred them all the time. Wow, double indemnity must have, re <laughs> but really confusing Wait, for you. Edward G. Robinson is is the guy who's like Armenian in real life. Yes. Yeah, he's like the shorter Hungarian, one. Hungarian. Yeah. The, okay, I'm sorry to the Hungarian and Armenian. Fred McMurray people. is the big waspy motherfucker who looks like Captain Marvel. <laughs> I confuse them. I can. 
confuse them. Not, I don't know. Not, everybody the Shazam, has people they everybody the Shazam, has people Captain they confuse. Marvel, not Brie Larson. Everybody yeah, sure. has people they confuse. There are yeah. people out there who confuse Ned Beatty and Warren Beatty, and I'm like, okay, you're stupid bitches. Don't but try. There to, are people who confuse them, and I don't you know try what? to I Bill choose, Paxton, Bill Pullman me on. I this. choose to give them grace. <laughs> this is one did of those I situations. Say Bill Paxton, sure. Bill Pullman. No, you're. Did I simp Did I? Did I say it for the Philistines in the back? Some no, people, no, no. I said Warren and Ned Beatty. Some people confuse Dylan McDermott and... Dermot Mulroney. Yeah, but neither one of them is Edward G. Robinson. They need to go back to school. <laughs> they need to read a book you know because in, they're dumb bitches. Dermot Mulroney, famous new girl guest star. You know who was in Back to School? You know who wasn't a new girl? Dylan fucking Dermot. But who you, is that? You know who was in, in Back to School? Who? M.M. Walsh. There you go. Brought it all the way around there. I'm going to go with one more buddy cop movie. Uh, you, you guys, but it's weird that we've had these buddy movies all in a row. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. But uh, this one's got more of a supernatural element. It's from 1988. It's called Dead Heat. Uh, have either of you seen this movie? Who's in it? That sounds familiar. Joe Piscopo and Treat Williams. <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask now. I've, I've heard of movies with with casts that to me don't make sense. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um how the fuck did anyone put a dollar towards a Treat Williams Joe Piscopo? We watched a movie with Jay Leno and Pat Morita. Oh, I, a, I've I've seen that. It's a buddy cop movie. I can understand them giving three dollars to Jay Leno and mm -hmm. seventy five hundred dollars to Pat Morita. Treat Treat Williams and Joe Piscopo. Well wait to hear wait to hear what this is about. Okay. Um, I'm so they're, they're they're cops and treat williams gets bit by a zombie and starts becoming a zombie uh but he's not a zombie yet so he's going to continue on the case Working with joe piscopo to solve this big crime thing that's going on uh which by the way the crime syndicate run by vincent price uh <laughs> And, um, yeah, and so he's becoming a zombie as they're going after these crime uh, syndicate people Unlikely and, and trying to solve this. Vincent Price. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That was good. <laughs> uh, it's insane. It's completely insane. And there's a lot. There's a lot of parallels you can make with this. It was like the first thing I thought of after leaving the theater because, like, Treat Williams obviously becoming a zombie as he's a cop. You know, you can you can kind of draw a line to Renfield being a hero, but he's like this supernatural, you know, creature thing at this point in the story. And uh, Joe Piscopo, loudmouth, being you know ridiculous and over the top, you can totally compare with how Aquafina's character is. So I mean, there and then they're in this, you know, basically a crime story in the middle of all of it. Is this is this Dead Heat movie like? It, to me, it it tells me that this man's healthcare as a fucking cop is so bad that he yeah. is developing like skin that is Lesions. peeling off his yeah. body, a a thirst and hunger for human blood, my angel brains. And oh right, yeah. Well, maybe blood too. Yeah, is I think they like, like blood. Condiments for them. We never really ask ourselves it's if a sauce. if blood yeah. is like. <laughs> to quote Fletch, the thing that kills us every time. <laughs> sauce. John Ham saying the word sauce just yeah, knocks yeah, us. Yeah, he swam into a boat propeller, it turned him into a sauce. <laughs> it's, it's, it, we think about sauce again too often. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but this, this Dead Heat movie really to me sounds, and this is not something that is discussed in, mm. in Renfield, but it seems like a, a crude yet effective commentary 
mm. on the state of how uh, civil service workers yes. were were paid, compensated, and cared for in the 80s. Yeah. And see, that that's what I want. I want more of that return. Okay, you Jane know, Fonda. We excuse me. We talked about copaganda, and there's so much copaganda out there. But what about anti-cop propaganda, where they say, you know what, the benefits are really not that great. Like, mm-hmm. think about lethal weapon. That man almost dies on the toilet. He is trying mm-hmm. to drop a deuce on a Tuesday, and there is a bomb underneath that man's toilet. Mm-hmm. That is what we should be telling people, so then they don't want to be cops. Yeah, absolutely. We need to get back to so the lethal toilets. weapon movies. Definitely make it not cool to be a cop. Mm. Yeah. Uh-huh. See. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I recognize that I'm doing a bit. Matt is not yes ending me. Matt's no butting me. No butts in those bomb infested toilet seats. No. Yeah. Because, I was gonna say no butt is what would happen if you're that man blew up. gets to come home to Darlene motherfucking love, the god. Are are we not? Neither one of you is like fangirling here over Darlene love. I mean, you know, it's, it's Darlene love. But I it's mean, Darlene you know, motherfucking love. Yeah, Darlene motherfucking love. Exactly. You and I offline. I have a Darlene love story for you. Mm-hmm. I had an experience with Darlene love that you you might enjoy. Um, <laughs> so okay, so I I need to watch this Dead Heat movie. I mean, do I yes. really know? But will I? Yeah. And this one loves Vincent Price. Mm-hmm. Yeah, loves Vincent Price. Absolutely. So, Who hates Vincent Price? I know Vincent Price is the your mom. Probably I mean, come on. My mom hates Vincent. Why does my mom hate Vincent Price? I don't know. She hates Winnie the Pooh. So let's <laughs> I know, but uh, this sort of beloved figure who could hate it. My mom mother. doesn't like that Winnie the Pooh wears a shirt but no pants. That, she well, finds it inappropriate and unprofessional. I mean, it's kind of the life, isn't it? That's like yeah. what we all want, really. But uh, let's. That's, <laughs> let's her. that's her. You can have her on the podcast and ask. It might be our next guest. We'll see what yeah. happens. Let's yeah, wrap up Renfield with some closing thoughts. Do you guys yeah. uh, have any other things that we didn't get into that you really wanted to bring up real quick before we wrap um, it up? I think on my list, I had What We Do in the Shadows, which mm-hmm. obviously I think this movie was able to be made because of what we do in the shadows. Like sure. it wasn't Twilight that paved the way for this one. Twilight paved the way for all of those shitty movies called like Cities of Doom. <laughs> yeah. Pulling <laughs> Temples of Ambush. <laughs> you know, with like someone from a CW show and then like Skeet Ulrich. And you're just like, mm. yeah, this is fine. Um, <laughs> they all had Donald Sutherland for some reason. Always do- Donald <laughs> Sutherland be up in those movies. Oh, I love Donald Sutherland. Um, is he locked out of his house? Does he just need <laughs> something to do? Um, but yeah, I would have included what we do in the shadows more the TV show than mm. the movie, because I think the movie, even the way the movie is staged lit, the aesthetic of the movie is not mm. as similar as the TV show is. The TV show mm. deploys more color, um, it look it looks better, which I feel like is almost intentional. And then you know it, there it's and, it's silly. Yeah. And Guillermo is the is the emotional center of this show. And like mm. I think honestly, the reason I know what a quote familiar is like that term, yeah, I think is actually because of what we do in the shadows. At the very least, that's what finally imprinted upon yeah. me. I know that you know these characters, whether it's Igor, you know these supernatural characters have. There are assistants around, and Frankenstein, not Frankenstein's monster. I, I know the whole thing. Um, but, you know, I know that they have henchmen and assistants, but I think the term of familiar, yeah. if it wasn't something I was thinking of from Hocus Pocus with Thackeray Banks that, and the cat and the whole thing. Oh, yeah. That's, I, yeah, that works. Guillermo being the familiar 
kind of just imprinted on me what the code of a familiar would be in sure. terms of trope. Mm. So yeah. this movie, you know, I was like, oh, I know what a familiar is. I can skip past this description of it. <laughs> Matt, how about you? Any uh, closing thought? Any last uh, word? My other one was the Evil Dead movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because just, but that's just splat stick in general as a genre, but also uh, the one cop, Kyle, who's like the comic relief cop and everybody shut the fuck up, Kyle. Uh, his name tag said Raimi. Oh, I didn't notice that. That's great. Yeah, I immediately caught, I clocked immediately that. Immediately so. slapped me, was like, Raimi, it says Raimi. And I was like, oh, yeah. shit, Raimi. Um, as, as two people who have seen The Quick and the Dead. Yeah. Yeah, that's so We good. have a healthy respect for Raimi. Oh, yeah, um, I love him also, so much. And we got the new Evil Dead this weekend. I'm so excited. And uh, even though uh, Raimi's just producing, I, I just can't wait to see what happens with it. I've heard, I saw someone say, I guess someone who saw a press screening, Ev- anything Raimi touches is good. Like they were saying it about this movie. So they were like, the fact that he even put his name on it or wrote a check for it. They, Touched Spider-Man they, 3 though, didn't he? I guess I guess that's true. I'm guessing <laughs> doing the, the Tobey Maguire. De- Listen, oh. it gave us that. Um, yeah. My- well, I, I had Evil Dead on my list as well. And uh, I also had Mortal Kombat on my list because uh, there, there's a lot of Mortal Kombat in the way these guys fight with each other. Oh, yeah. The 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 the. The X-ray I, move, I think the they X-ray call it. Move, yes. Yeah. Uh, that, I think that originally comes from uh, a, uh, a Sony anime or something. Called, no, a Sony Chiba movie called uh, The Street Fighter. Oh, does it really? I believe that's the first instance of the X-ray punch. Although in The Street Fighter, the guy's butthole doesn't get blown out by it. Yeah, well, they sure. do use it also in The Kingsman when they have that whole yes. like, colonoscopy yeah. kind of scene, mm-hmm. which, you know. Um, wait, so too. you were saying Evil Dead, David, one or two? Because Matt was thinking two. two. Yeah, that's yeah. where I would go as well. One's yeah. a straight comedy and two's, or one is a straight horror, horror and two's a second. comedy. I know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, right on. I think that does it for Renfield. Guys, tell us where we can find you guys online and all your stuff. Great. Um, I'm at Sweaty Lamar. That's Sweaty Lamar, not Sweetie Lamar. I get a lot of guys from like Yemen who are like, did you misspell Sweetie? And I'm like, no. And they're like, are you sweaty? That's gross. And I'm like, yes, that's sort of the point. Um, so I'm at Sweaty Lamar on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, though I try to never post on there because TikTok is, mm. um, uh, my music is available on Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp, whatever Deezer is. Anything yeah. I've learned about Deezer is, Deezer? yeah, I've, I've never figured that out myself. It lets my you, when you upload your music, it's like, we're going to put it on like Pandora and Ugh. this one and Deezer. And I'm like, De- every time I call it Deez Nuts mm-hmm. in full disrespect to Deezer, because I don't know what the fuck they're doing and they have not done a good job at marketing themselves. Mm-hmm. So that's me. I shout a lot about Carrie Coon. Um, my, my raw sexual attraction to Stanley Tucci, um, being Italian, sure. uh, you know, living in New Jersey, greatest state of all time. Mm. Uh, and, and that's, and that's, that's me. Right on Matt. How about you? So once again, one half of, uh, tag me in brother, <laughs> the, uh, the, the pro wrestling <laughs> podcast, basically we, uh, we dive into sort of recurring tropes of uh, of of pro wrestling and mm-hmm. uh, do kind of a deep dives into uh, into lore and the sort of internal logic that uh, are just sort of taken for granted, but never really uh, never really discussed. You know, why are these the rules? Why is why is the referee doing this? Why is uh, 
You know, why is the referee's decision only final sometimes? You know, why does instant replay work sometimes, but not other times? And, mm. you know, uh, just sort of uh, break down the uh, the narrative of it. Yeah. And if you go back sure. in that catalog, uh, Matt's I Hate Wrestling episodes are available, some of which feature his co-host on Tag Me and Brother. But I would do a special shout out for an episode where Matt and my good buddy Jason watch a Scooby-Doo Scooby WrestleMania, WrestleMania mystery. mystery. Yeah. Um, I jump great. in for like 20 minutes on that episode uh, and Matt and I have developed it like one of our favorite moments as, as a comedic relief duo All from right. that where it's like emblazoned on our door in our house. But um, <laughs> the Scooby-Doo episode is very fun. I highly recommend checking out Matt's old episodes as well. I think when you look up Tag Me and Brother, mm -hmm, the I yeah. Hate Wrestling episodes are in there. Mm -hmm. But uh. They're, I look forward really... to checking that out. That sounds yeah. really fun. Yeah. Um, well, right it. on, guys. Thank you so much for uh, joining me, and hopefully we can get you back again sometime. Thank you. There are far worse things awaiting men than they. Welcome to the podcast that wouldn't die. I'm your host, Kevin. With me, as always, is Aaron. What up, what up? Well, each week, we'll explore the classics of the horror and sci-fi genre with a little comedic twist. We will ask those important questions like, why don't they get out of the haunted house the first time they see the ghost or the demon? Why do people feel like, hey, there's been a spooky disappearance, but I'm going to investigate myself, even though I have no investigative background? Or, why didn't I realize I was dead the whole time? These important questions and many others we will get to the bottom of. So check us out each week at the podcast that wouldn't die. Be there or be square. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Renfield. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. If you're enjoying what we do here on Piecing It Together, make sure you're subscribed. And of course, if you really like the show, maybe drop a five-star rating and review. That would help us get further up in those rankings. And that way more people will check the show out. And then we could keep doing bigger and better things like all these live shows we got going on. The upcoming one this week on The Blackening, Thursday, June 15th. It's going to be a fun time at Maya Cinemas. Check the show notes for how to get tickets. And we got one coming up on Oppenheimer next month and then Strays the month after that. Let's keep doing these things i i'm i'm excited it's gonna be a fun time so uh also you could check out our popcorn and puzzle pieces facebook group where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show and don't forget about our patreon the produced by david rosen patreon where for over a month now you could have heard this episode uh but also you can get lots of other early advanced episodes of piecing it together bonus content from awesome movie year and bonus and advanced content from my music career. I'm actually about to release a special uh, exclusive soundtrack album on the Patreon. So, hey, check it out if you want to support the show and me and all of my efforts in that way. It's patreon.com slash Rosen. I do appreciate your support. And for those who have been listening to the show, uh, you know that I'm about to release a new album, a comedy album. This is a little break from all of my uh, serious, dark, mysterious music that I've been putting out for all these years. This is a comedy album of songs about my pets called The Pup Pups. The pre-order launched a little over a week ago, and as of this recording, I 
have just sent it in to get CDs made, and the album should be out on July 1st. And uh, I'm so excited about it. It's going to be a really fun thing. I'll probably have a special episode about it coming up here in a little bit. Uh, We also got some music videos on the way. And I'm going to close this episode out with a song from that album because uh, it's a very ridiculous song. And there's a lot of splatting going on in Renfield. And this is a song called Slip and Splat about really, really hoping that my cat Millie doesn't slip off of the second story railing that she loves to hang out on and splat. So this is Slip and Splat from the Pup Pups album, Who Wants Din Din, which is available for pre-order now. Hope you enjoy it, and we'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon. I hope the cat don't fall, hope the cat don't slip and splat. I hope the cat don't fall, hope the cat don't slip and splat. I hope the cat don't fall, hope the cat don't slip and splat. I hope the cat don't fall, hope the cat don't slip and splat. I hope the cat don't fall, hope the cat don't slip and splat. Is there a dog here? There's a dog barking at me. Is, Hold on wait, one who is this man? His name is Harvey Weinstein, but that we don't <gasps> talk about that though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, we need to talk about that shit. Go on, Harvey. Let me just put him away real quick. <laughs> oh my god! It's like this is my goldfish Miramax. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> oh, can I? Do you think there's a way for me to make a Halloween costume that's Joe Pesci as a vampire? <laughs> No, wait, like, no, the My Cousin Vinny, like mm-hmm. the the burgundy, mm-hmm. like the leisure suit. Mm-hmm. With the cape. With the little hair and the cape mm-hmm. fangs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then are you Mona Lisa that year? <laughs> wait, Sorry no, you that. could be. Okay, wait, no, you could be Mona Lisa Vito as the Bride of Frankenstein because she's got that white <laughs> hair. She's got that white skunked hair piece. Well, there's also, but there's also Fred Gwynn, who is, of course, Herman Munster. Yeah, but I don't know if if you have, if you have I could Frankenstein you, with a judge robe, no one's going to get that it's I could, too hoft. No one's going to get that. I need you to acknowledge that I would make a more convincing Fred Gwynn than Marissa Tomei. Marissa Tomei would make a very convincing Fred Gwynn if she put her mind to it. That woman can do anything. She is my mother. I love her. Uh, I, might, anyway. I might have to keep all this for like an after the show yeah. blooper or something you like should, that. No, I'm, you should. It was actually yeah. very cute. Uh, so what's the deal with your what's dog the deal? being named 
Harvey Weinstein and it, why have you not at this point changed it to either Miramax, mm -hmm. Tarantino's Folly or <laughs> Harvey Firestein? Yeah, well, mm -hmm. we 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 uh, refer to him as Dad Dad nowadays, but uh, that's a, one of his Dad nicknames. Dad? Yeah, that's one of his nicknames and we've we we've adopted that as his main name. But Oh my uh, god, cuz I I call Simone Mommy Girl, the, yeah. our our small cat. I yeah. she's she's mama and she's mommy. So oh. I love that they're they're Dad, like Dad Dad. It's Dad Dad. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's like Pedro Pascal and Sarah Paulson, like mommy and daddy. Like yeah. these are these are our cats. These Absolutely. are our, our pets, our children. Do you yeah, have other dogs? Is it uh, one dog? We have one dog and three cats. So what are the cats' names? We've got Millie. She's right here, and then we've got uh, Trudy and Neo. It, it, is it a Matrix cat? No, actually, she was already named that when I got her. Okay. Look, Millie. <gasps> That is a beautiful chicken. Mm -hmm. Look at the baby. You go over there. 